Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears. Multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snowett. Rob Snow White here. This is episode 272 of the Fly Fishing and Consulting Podcast. This one was originally titled Crazy Snakehead Weekend, but now it's got to be changed to Crazy Snakehead Weekends, plural. I saw some crazy stuff out there. One thing that was not snakehead related was this. Coming back home for meeting my client on Saturday, I see a bunch of traffic on the Beltway, and I can't imagine why there'd be any traffic on the Beltway. This was before Phase 1 opened up. And I start seeing fire engines and ambulances up on the shoulder above where there's stores that back up to the Beltway, and then I see all these ambulances and fire trucks and police cars on the Beltway. And as I'm getting closer, I notice that a U-Haul truck... There's a U-Haul place up there. You heard me mention it on the episode where my car died and I had to drive a U-Haul back home from a fishing trip. Somebody pressed the accelerator and drove through the sound barrier, knocked it over, and ended up in the road about 10 feet below. The truck was at a 45-degree angle like the cop in Die Hard when he backs over the ledge. It looked like the Kool-Aid man had straight up run through there. It was absolutely crazy. Caused all sorts of backups. But episode 272 is brought to you by Buff. Over the past 25 years, Buff has premiered and innovated the tubular headwear category in their company-owned factory, which is located downstairs of their headquarters in Spain. Buff incorporates state-of-the-art fabric technologies like Coolmax and Polygene into their multi-functional headwear. Headbands, caps, hats, arm sleeves, gloves stripping guards, and neck warmers, just to name a few. I've been wearing buffs as sleeping masks. You put it on your face, fold it four times, put it over your eyes. Been wearing that for years. I use them for sun protection. I use my buff tubes as headbands and face coverings. Now more than ever, I'm wearing them all day long in case I encounter someone while I'm out and about. I just pull it up over my nose and I'm good to go. 
However, this morning I forgot to wear mine and I saw my daughter's buff sitting on the passenger seat. So I wore that into the store. So yes, they do make child size neck coverings. I also wear their aqua and elite gloves to protect my hands from the sun, dorsal fin punctures, abrasions, and to help grip my oars. You can visit buffusa.com for more information. To further the advertisements, this one's for me. In addition to Buff, check out my Etsy store, Fly Fishing Consultant, for logo can koozies that you can wear around your neck, shipped for $15. It's paracord to a neoprene koozie. You wear it around your neck with your bottle or can. Clap your hands. And you can row a boat, throw horseshoes, play cornhole, tie flies, eat a hot dog, whatever. Go help me out a little bit and you can get a Snow White Damsel logoed koozie. This episode has been made by me sitting in my office talking into a microphone, iPhone video recordings, and iPhone voice memos all stuck together. You can go to my YouTube page to see all the videos from these crazy weekends. All right, so I had a crazy snakehead weekend. Crazy enough that I think I should share it with everyone else. We'll just get you caught up. Today is May 20th. It's my buddy Waleed's birthday. Happy birthday, Wally. Friday, I had client down at Chain Bridge, and there were so many herring in the water. We could not help but snagging herring on pretty much every cast. I don't know if the sinking line was deep enough. We were not getting a whole lot of shad. White perch, a lot of foul hook herring. Foul hooked a quill back. That was pretty cool. Guy downstream from us snags a snakehead. My client, who's actually a donated trip that he won from an auction, he went down and got to take some pictures with that snakehead. So first encounter with the snakehead Friday. And the water up there was still kind of murky, but you could see nothing but herring in that first foot or so of water swimming upstream for four hours. So I got a client on... Saturday, we're at a different spot, tributary to the Potomac, and the plan is we're getting there early. We're going to get there 7.30 or 8 o'clock. I don't remember because all the parks are closed. Nobody can get into the boat ramps, so everyone's fishing on shore, and they're fishing in very limited areas. So I call up some friends, and I have them meet me down there to help hold the spot. That's what we do during the steelhead season. Get a big group together. You hold your spot. You keep your spot for the day. So we get down there, and there's three dudes already fishing. They got GoPros on their chest, catfish rig. There's a guy in a boat parked there, and maybe one other angler, and then a person upstream that's snagging snakeheads. Within an hour or so, the first group downstream goes. Two hours in, the guy in the boat leaves. And we're seeing some snakeheads come up to breathe, and as the tide comes in, we're seeing more snakeheads. We're really not hooking a whole lot of fish. We don't get any shad. It's mostly white perch some lost fish we don't know of, and we're filling the client's cooler with white perch. There's no limit on them. They're fresh from the ocean. You can eat as many as you want. It's nice and healthy. The day goes by, beautiful day, only saw one bald eagle, and we're done at noon, so that means we started at 8. I am sitting down on a rock. I've got my full face cover. My eyeglasses are on, my sunglasses, my costas. i got my buff gloves on. My face is covered in a buff. And the clients really don't even know what I look like at this point, especially after four hours. But it's 11.58, and my client is taking his last few casts. And I am putting flies back in the boxes. I am zipping my backpack while he's taking probably his second or third last cast. And he hooks something big about 30 feet out. 
Mind you, he could only roll cast about 10 feet when we got there. Four hours of roll casting. He's doing great. And he hooks something, and we figure it's probably just a big striper or a shad, maybe a big largemouth. Fish comes to the surface. It's a snakehead. Now, Taylor, she had already foul hooked one snakehead earlier, so we'd gotten a close-up look. And that one took about nine or ten hits with a rock and a wooden bat, and it still wouldn't die. It's crazy. This will all be on YouTube, this whole killing the snakeheads and this crazy weekend of what I saw. I'm not even getting to the good point. So my client is out on a rock. The tide's coming in. He's about to get his feet wet. Gets the snakehead in. It's a nine and a half foot six weight. Sinking line, 250 grain. And I get the net and I'm down there. It takes three scoops to finally get that fish. My heart is absolutely racing. And he gets it on the dropper. He gets the snakehead on the damselfly. And now it's noon. It's 12.01. We're all just hanging out. And first I tell him, that's automatically a case of beer. Like, we'll go to 7-Eleven right now. I'll get you a case of beer. Or you can take a rain check and get something nicer when I can get to maybe Total Wine or the grocery store. He's got to get home. So we take pictures. We ended up killing the snakehead. At least we think. We get a whole bunch of pictures with it. Everyone on shore is clapping and applauding. I'm telling him this is like hitting a hole-in-one at Pebble Beach to get a snakehead on the swing with a size 10 curved scud hook, the damselfly. So we're there, and we've got it on the ground. We put that right side of the head on a rock. He takes up a massive rock and hits it seven or eight times in the head, and you hear crunch and blood starts coming out. We're like, sweet, it's dead. He packs up his gear. It starts flopping around. We've got it on the grips now. We're going to walk out thinking it's dead. So the guy next to us takes out a huge knife, and he stabs and twists into that spine and neck and throat three times. This thing has got a gaping hole in it the size of a broom handle. Now the fish is in the net, and we're just going to carry it out to my truck to get a trash bag out. Sure enough, this thing starts flopping around after being hit in the head, being dragged across rocks, being stabbed. So we put it in the trash bag and we suffocate it basically in the heat to kill it. He takes it home, turns out it's six pounds and 12 ounces. So a pretty darn big snakehead. Sunday morning, I got the day off. My wife's friend lives down at Fredericksburg. So we're home having happy hour, discussing what we're doing for Sunday. We get the boat ready. Plan is we're, I'm going to take the boat, drop my... Ladies off at my wife's friend's house on Butler Road. It's near Fredericksburg, uh, Falmouth fishing spot. And then I would go put the boat in and motor upstream. They would come out to the beach and meet me. I'd pick some up, take them out, do some fishing. Get the boat trailered first thing in the morning. I pump up the tires. I check everything. The boat hasn't been out all season. I check the lug nuts. I look around. I check absolutely everything. Everything that I can think of to make sure this boat is good to go. We put my daughter's bike in the boat, strap it down. We've got a cooler full of beer and water, Gatorades. We got some smoked Traeger chicken from the night before for them to have a picnic, and we're off. And right as we pull out of the driveway, I pull over just to get a second double check of absolutely everything. And my neighbor, former Marine up the street, he's like, where are you going? I said, Fredericksburg, and I'm very nervous about just driving today. So we get on the beltway and we're driving and I'm still just nervous. I got this nervous feeling in my stomach and I keep watching that trailer in the background just 
premonition of something's going to go wrong. And we get down to Lorton. Now, for locals, you remember Lorton is the place with the prison for Washington, D.C., and that's where they made the license plates. Now it's high-end houses. But Lorton always has that stigma of, of being near the dump, which is Mount Trashmore, and the prison. This car pulls up to me, and he starts making this circular motion with his hand and pointing back at the trailer. And I'm like, oh, my God, what is going on? We pull over. I get out, and my hubs are smoking. The hubcap's blown. There is bright pink grease everywhere. Obviously, we're not going to get to Fredericksburg. So I start freaking out, try to stay calm. The wife and the daughter are, are freaking out. My goal is now to get home without that wheel breaking off or the axle breaking. And I'm just going to park the boat in the driveway and go to Fredericksburg. Like, what am I going to do about it now? We end up driving home eight miles an hour. It takes 30 minutes. And back the car into the driveway, back up the boat, unhitch it, and leave. I'm like, what? I don't know what caused this. Whatever. It happens. It's a brand new hub I put in last year. I maintain them. I grease them. But who knows what happened? Stuff happens. So we get to Fredericksburg in 30 minutes, which is ridiculous because no one's on the road right now with COVID. We get to Wawa first, and we get sandwiches. Now, my daughter, oddly, she wants a salad. I get a spicy turkey club with avocado, and I got a Coke in the car. They drop me off at the beach. And since I knew I was waiting, when I got home, you know, I was wearing flip-flops because I was going to be in the boat. So I grabbed my waders and boots, threw them in the truck, and then we drove to Fredericksburg. So I get out. I grab my backpack. I grab my nine-and-a-half-foot six-weight. I put on my utility belt. It's got my grippers. It's got my urban machete. It's got my pliers. I realize I ain't got socks. So I put my feet in the neoprenes, put on my corkers, pull my waders up, utility belt. I get down to the river. Two people there with a dog. I got this whole place to myself. It is 1130 and the tide is low. And I start swinging the damsel dropper rig. I'm throwing a pink jig with a snow white damsel and I'm fishing for a good five, 10 minutes and nothing. I, I'm, I'm targeting stripers. I'm not seeing stripers pop. I'm not seeing bait being chased. I'm not seeing any signs of life. I'm not seeing herring go by. And the water is crystal clear. I can see every grain of sand around my feet, and it's waist deep. I see nothing. So I'm like, you know what? This is my home spot. This is the spot, May 5th, 1999, that I decided I was no longer ever going to spin fish after catching my first striped bass there five days or six days before graduation. So I decided I'm going to go up to my old haunting grounds. I'm going to go up above the bridge and I'm going to go explore to see if there's stripers in any of the riffles, see what else I can find. And I get up on the island and I'm going to say this now because what I'm about to tell you is going to be long gone by the time this gets published. In fact, I have evidence from today from one of my buddies that this spot is already being shut down. The word has been out. So I climb up on the island and I'm bushwhacking. Not enough that I got to take out the urban machete. I'm just pushing stuff behind and I'm up on the sand. This is the highest island point at the fall line, which is surrounded by Native American rock fish wares. If you look on Google Earth or if you get on the bridge and look down. Route 1 Bridge, Fredericksburg, Falmouth. I get up and I am bushwhacking and there's some little side channels that cut through this island. across them. It is Brook trout stream, mountain stream clear. Gin clear, vodka clear, clear as air. And as I'm 
getting to the crest of this island, the top, the highest part, whatever you want to call it, 25, 30 vultures just take off, breaking branches, leaving feathers behind, and I'm thinking, all right, great. Two things are about to go down. I'm going to find a dead deer that washed down, or there's going to be a dead person up here. One of the two. And I start walking, and then I start smelling death. The smell of death is in the air. There's a dead vulture on the ground, just bones and some feathers. I keep going, and I see a, a skull and a tailbone next to it. Mouth open, sharp teeth. I'm like, damn, that's a snakehead. There's a dead snakehead up here. And I take another step, and there's another one. And then there's one that had, I didn't take a picture of it, even because the picture wouldn't have done justice. If I had a Ziploc bag, I would have kept the head. The head on the snakehead was the skull, the dried out skull, dehydrated and no meat on it, was bigger than my size 11 Corker's Devil's Canyon boot. And then I start looking around, and by now I've got my buff over my nose, like I'm in the Ace store today buying boat parts. It is the smell of just rotten death. And I start looking around, and there are just skeletons and heads of snakeheads everywhere. Like, there was some kind of biblical, they fell out of the sky, as if, uh, I, I don't know what you would call it, some kind of just bizarre ritual had gone on. There's snakeheads everywhere, like they rained. I look to my right, and there is this cesspool, about the size of a round baby pool, and it is pea soup moss green and just stagnant and it stinks and there's dead snakehead around that and then i climb up on the rocks and there are skeletons and these are little rain pools left over and and high tide pools from the last flood which i don't know how long ago that river flooded it was may the 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history designed by john browning the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. 17th, 18th, we were down there, and I see he's just... Green, that's the color of rusted copper or oxidized copper. That greenish color, the Statue of Liberty, that color in this baby bathtub sized space between rocks, and they're just rotting snakeheads bubbling in there. And there are flies everywhere. And I'm just like, this place is disgusting. And then I turn my head, and there's another big baby pool area that's deeper, and the water's relatively clear. There's a tree hanging over, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to toss my shad jig in there and see what happens. And I take a couple casts. It's uh, like a 250 grain sinking line to two feet of amnesia to a two-foot-long piece of 14-pound line to the jig to 18 inches of 10-pound to the damsel. And I get two little tugs in there, and then all of a sudden I feel something. I set the hook, and I think I'm stuck in the belly of a catfish or a carp. Because having lived down there for four years, when you found these big isolated channels that had got cut off from the river during droughts, they were just full of carp. This thing comes up. It's got a white belly. I don't know what it is. And I'm going to play for you the audio coming up in a second. 
So I fish that pool for another couple seconds. I walk over to the other pool and I'm just standing there looking and all of a sudden a mouth comes up and takes a breath and it sounds like someone farting in the bathtub. Like that's a snakehead, I think. And then another one just rises up out of this. You don't see them till they're a millimeter under the surface. And that one comes up and, and bubbles and it sounds like someone farting in a tub. And I start realizing both these holes are absolutely full of snakeheads that got trapped in there. And that's where the water receded to being the deepest part. And they've just been there since who knows when. And that they're dying when the water recedes maybe or the ones that got stuck in smaller pools. And that's what the vultures are eating and have been eating. So I start chucking my fly in there and I'm like, you know what? Yesterday was pretty damn cool that we got one on a damsel, but I need something a little bigger, bushier. And so I record this right now. I hope this comes out. I hope you can hear me well. I figure I need to share this with you right now. I'm down in Fredericksburg, and the goal was to come down here and catch the shattered stripers. But I moved above the bridge, and I'm finding... I moved above the bridge... And now I'm finding that there are snakeheads caught in all of these low water pools left over from the last high rain. And I, there's probably 20 snakeheads in this one pool right in front of me. It's maybe the size of the baby pool at the swimming pool. I may have foul hooked one on the damsel. I just tried a huge popper. And now I'm gonna put on a Snallygaster worm. This whole area smells like death. When I came up here, it was full of about two or three dozen vultures. And then I smelled and I saw just dead snakeheads littering all the rocks. There's probably 15 dead ones out here. And I can see these snakeheads breathing and I'm set up with the sink tip. So let's see how this goes with the big pink snallygaster. They don't seem to be as scared of me. Can I get one to eat this fly? Can they hear me now? I think I'm gonna film this instead. And then I set up my camera to record when I tie on a bright pink Snallygaster worm. And I flip it in there, and as I press play and start talking, my line jerks and I set the hook and I've got a snakehead. So yesterday we caught a snakehead on the damsel. Today I just caught a snakehead. I catch a snakehead in this nasty cesspool on this gaudy giant bass fly in water that's disgusting and stagnant on this island surrounded by the smell of rotten death. And it's a beautiful, partly cloudy skies. It's 70 degrees out. I've now been fishing for an hour by myself with no one else around me, and I am on cloud nine. If I had a cigar and some champagne or a brandy, I would have absolutely celebrated. I maybe did a little dance. Keep fishing and filming, and I'm filming them coming up and breathing, and you can't figure out how many are in there, but if they're breathing that often, there's got to be 15 to 20 in there. You can't see what's on the bottom. There's no clarity, and they're breathing all in different spots. And then when you spook one, you get this cloudy swirl of mud, and then that just disappears back into the murk. So I go around to the other side, and I see one right at my feet just chilling, and I'm dapping my worm in front of it trying to get a bite and nothing. And while I'm doing this, I've got the first snakehead on my gripper and I'm going to take it home and right before I leave the spot I'm going to bash its head in and just leave it on the shore to take to my neighbor Amy who asked me to bring her one I'm like sweet 
got snake head and would feed a neighbor. She's all about gutting it and everything. So I put that snake head down and I start filming and that snake head jumps and scares the piss out of me. So while I'm doing that, I throw the Snallygaster worm in again at some point, 15th, 20th cast into the pool on this side. And remind you, I'm fishing this funky little orange shad leader rig and they don't seem to care. They don't care about the fly splashing. They're not spooked by anything. You can poke them when they come up to breathe. So this is literally like fishing in a barrel, except if you watch that episode of Mythbusters, they're like, oh, I got my funky mustache and my glasses and my beret, but you can't really fish in a barrel because of the optics of the water. I'm like, yeah, this is kind of cheating, but it's pretty damn cool. So I eventually catch a bigger snakehead and I get it on shore and it's got that big pink snallygaster dragging out of its mouth. And I'm like, I'm going to take this one instead of the other one. So I throw that thing up on shore, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take both of them. Why not? I continue fishing with them both on shore. My plan being I'm going to head back down river, bash their heads in, leave them on, and I'm going to go fish for stripers. I see two huge snakeheads. They're like spawning pairs next to each other. And I put my arms in this nasty water, and it looks like the water in Crocodile Dundee where the gator jumps out and bites the woman in the 80s inappropriate bathing suit. That bathing suit would be inappropriate nowadays. So the water's disgusting, and I reach in there with my waterproof iPhone, and I try to film them. My camera, I mean, I don't want to get my fingers bit, but I'm close enough that you can't even see them move or swirl in the water. It's that gross. It is condensed pea soup. So I'm like, all right, I'm done here. I'm going to go fish that other hole for a couple minutes, and then I'm going to go back down. So I go over there, and I'm sight casting. They're coming up and inspecting it. You can see their pec fins moving left and right. The dorsal fin is kind of fluttering vertical. They're excited about this, and they would come up and just bump it. And any idiot could just sit there and snag fish all day long in those holes. But what's the sport in that? I'm trying to get them to eat my flies. And... I switched off the Snallygaster. Now I'm trying. I also tried a popper. forgot to mention, the first fly I threw at them was a topwater popper because I didn't have a frog. Big flyman. Then I went to the Snallygaster. And then I went to my hula girl because I'm like, dude, I need to catch a snakehead on the hula girl. That'd be pretty fantastic. And I'm throwing the hula girl now and nothing. I'm like, all right, I'm going downstream. And I text pictures to the wife. And she's like, oh, hell no. You are not bringing those in your car back to my house in a garbage bag like damn it all right so now i gotta think about this i theoretically have a contained spot to catch snakeheads that no one else knows about that i can share with my friends so i start calling and texting some people about the snakehead spot but i'm not like you gotta hear the story when i record it on the podcast because i already know this is going to be crazy so then i leave and i go back downstream having left them in the pool now, why did I leave him in the pool? The river, you don't want snakeheads infesting the river anymore. I can already tell they're well-established. More than I ever thought that river was established. There's dead snakeheads everywhere. There's snakeheads in these pools. So I figure I can text my friends, drop them, Google pin, then come down tonight, tomorrow, the next day, and continue to fish this and either leave them there for the next person or harvest them and take them home. Either way, I got a secret spot for snakeheads. Theoretically, potentially, could take some clients down there this week. So I'm thinking, you know what? Good idea. I'm putting them back in that hole. Start making my way downstream, and I start seeing gar. Four and a half foot long, long nose gar in 10 inches of water, 
five, six at a time in spawning pairs. When they're spawning pairs, they're not going to eat. I'm swinging now a garfly by them. And remember, I got garflies. I got a red and yellow one in front of me right now. You can get these on my Etsy site. They get tangled in their teeth. Everything else will eat them too. Nothing. I keep going downstream. I'm in the big hole below the bridge. I start swinging. That big guy across from me is landing a snakehead as I walk into the hole. And I used to fish this hole all the time 20 years ago. In my youth, when I was young and spry, I used to sleep on that beach in my 20s overnight and fish for stripers at dark. These, these are my hunting grounds of my youth. So I put on the shad jig and damsel, and I start fishing that hole. I start picking off white perch every couple of casts. And by now, I'm noticing I'm coming down to the beach, and there's people on both sides absolutely everywhere. People in inner tubes, dogs everywhere, people in the water. I'm going to be gone for an hour, and it's awesome. I figure I've got a couple minutes left. The wife's probably done playing with her friend and my kid and wants to go home. So I start making my way back down to the beach, just casting. I figure I got 10, 15 minutes left before she calls and says, all right, we're out of here. I get downstream, and I'm now below that rock. If you know what I'm talking about, it's the one lone rock. And finally, the grit and sand that used to be above the dam there, Embry Dam, is now gone. So the rock's nice and exposed, and I'm still casting and swinging. And then I see this guy start wading out, and I'm watching him. He's on the Fredericksburg side. He's got a big saltwater catfish rod and he starts going in he's oh look at me i'm fishing in the water he gets deeper and deeper until he's chest deep and now he's shoulder deep and he's joking with his friends that how deep the water is and he's fishing in deep water and then he starts going downstream and that water's fast upstream i nearly wiped out in waist deep water and he starts going downstream more and he's still laughing and goofing he's like i'm swimming with my fishing pole and finally, he's about 75 yards downstream, and someone on my side has waded out to him and yells, are you okay? And he starts shouting back, no, I need help. He starts going under now. So his head, he's maybe ear level in the water. And the guy is like, you need help. So now I start shouting in my deep voice all the way across to the Fredericksburg side, and when there's an emergency, you point out the person that you need to do something. You in the green shirt, call 911. So I yelled at a guy. I'm like, you in the brown pants with the fishing rod. Put your rod down. Get that orange life jacket. There's a man drowning below you. I'm like, go. And I am shouting as loud as I can because nobody on that side of shore is doing anything. The guy is going under. He is drowning. The guy is starting to swim across the river with no PFDs on. And one of the issues you have with someone drowning is they're going to try and climb up you like a ladder and they're going to drown you. There's an old saying, reach, throw, never go. So finally, somebody walks over and gets the orange throw ring and starts walking downstream. And I'm like, you need to run now. And finally, they start running down and they throw it out. The guy swimming across gets to him, gets him the ring, and they swim him to shore. And then everything just goes back to normal. Like, you've got a school of fish, and you throw a pebble, and they all scatter, and then they all come back together. It was as if nobody was about to die in front of everybody. This is not the first time I've seen people lose their footing and drift downriver and nearly drown there. It happens more often than you think. I still remember a guy after college shouting that he had lost his wallet before he went under and then came up, and I was about to have to call 911. There are signs everywhere about the dangers. And also, the park is only supposed to be open to anglers, and it's everyone playing everywhere. 
So finally, I get a text from my wife and says, she says, hey, we're at the beach. We're going to hang out here for a little bit. And I turn around and they're right behind me. I'm surprised she didn't recognize me fishing there. And I wait over and I was like, did you see that? They're like, what? I said, did you hear me yell at that guy? They're like, oh, you were the one shouting. What was that? It's like, did nobody else see a guy drowning in the middle of the river and shouting for help? They're like, nope. So I had a, a cold beverage and I decided if they're hanging out here and having a picnic, I'm going to go back up and try for more snakeheads because all I was catching was perch. I go back upstream, tide's coming in, and as I'm getting up to my spot, there's two dudes there with beers and two kids. And I'm like, uh-oh, somebody found the secret. I'm like, damn it. They didn't have fishing gear. They walked right past me. I'm like, awesome, man. I'm going to give this spot a nice 30, 40-minute rest. I'm going to go catch me another snakehead. Never caught three in a day. Let's go for the record. As I'm approaching it, there's a dude in shorts with a little sling pack, pack of cigarettes in a shirt pocket, and a spinning rod and a jig. And he's like, I got 10 snakeheads here yesterday. I was like, I didn't think anyone knew about the spot. He's like, yep, I just found this spot yesterday. Don't know if anyone else knows about it, but I got 10 here yesterday. I think they're just biting out of aggression because they're spawning. So we hang out and talk, and he gets a couple tugs. I'm like, you know, I'm going to go fish the other one, the clear hole. I get over there, and again, I am dropping whatever fly I'm using at the time now, Snallygaster probably, again, and nothing's coming up to nibble. I move to the other side of the hole, which is eight steps around some poison ivy, and I guarantee you, by the time you hear this, this island, it's going to be covered in poison ivy. So you can try if you hear about this. The people that live down there know about this spot. They already went today and caught snakeheads. So the ones we're listening that I'm informing about, been there, done that. I'm assuming you're not going to get down there because the poison ivy is going to be too bad and the fish are going to be gone. So I start getting some more to come up and look at the fly and kind of bounce at their nose at it and they're moving. And I'm like, dude, I'm going to set the hook as soon as that mouth opens. I'm watching, I'm watching because this pool is more clear. And I got my nine and a half foot rod and I'm reaching over and I'm swishing this fly back and forth. And it just, it walks and swims across that water. It looks like a Galapagos marine iguana or like a snake moving across the surface. It's got the rubber legs, the awesome tail. And then you drop it, and that tail still moves in the current. I get nothing. So I go back over, and the dude's like, fish with me. I'm good. I caught 10 here yesterday. And he gets one, and it's freaking huge. And he throws it up on shore, gives it the rock shampoo, and then says he's going to move on. I'm like, well, damn, dude, if you're not going to take that home, Leave that in there for my friends to come and get it. And then he says uh, he lost a snakehead over in the river a couple minutes before while I was over at that other hole. So I climb out onto the rocks, and as I'm just skinning for snakeheads, I see one jumping a three-foot waterfall. It misses twice, and he's like, do you see that? I was like, dude, I got to film this. I get out my camera, and of course, by the time I get it filming, the thing is already skirted the waterfalls. And we just look at each other like... Did not think we were going to see anything like that today. This thing looked like a salmon jumping out west. Absolutely beautiful. Three-foot-long fish torpedoing out of the water. I start walking back over to him, and then we notice there's two snakeheads in this little clear eddy under a fallen tree in a spawning pair. We get close to them, and you'll see in the video I shot where they just back out. with. You can't even tell how they're moving backwards, but they do. And just to confirm also that they're moving with these 
really soft peck fins. These are not fish that climbed up onto that island and got stuck there. People always think these fish can walk on land. They don't. So I go back down. I'm going to go swing for stripers one more time. It's now five o'clock. So when was the last time you heard me go out and fish for five hours by myself, catching some pretty big fish on a beautiful day with a belly full of Wawa sandwich? And I'm just having the absolute best time. It's like being a kid playing in the creek. I'm walking up and down. I'm flipping over rocks. This is the epitome of what fly fishing is to me. There's ospreys everywhere. There's blue herons. There's fish popping. I go downstream, and now I am starting to swing, and I'm about 30 feet above another guy, and then two people walk in down below us, and they go in. I'm surprised they didn't fill their chests. Waiter's in. And we start swinging, and the guy below me is fishing about a 7-inch streamer that he said caught him about a 20-inch striper the day before. I'm still using, back again, the jig and the damsel. I start picking off perch left and right. And nothing really else was happening. The wife and the crew decided to go back to that house, social distant, and have a fire pit. I'm like, I got at least two hours left. They go back to the house to social distant fire pit, have some beers, and I'm going to start swinging out for stripers is my plan. I got plenty of time. I got plenty of space. And I start casting out and swinging some 60-foot-plus casts. And across from me is a dad with a throw ring on a rope with two little girls maybe six and eight in that with no PFDs just in this ring. And, and he's just pulling them up and letting them float down. I don't know how deep that water is, but that other dude nearly drowned in the same spot. That's where he lost his footing and got swept downstream. If one of these girls were to lose touch of that ring, it was over. There are people swimming back and forth across the river. They're partying, they're drinking beer one girl had a football as her flotation device. No one's wearing anything safety. It's pretty crazy down there. I'm surprised that was the only incident. I was very nervous with those kids across from me. And I'm swinging and swinging, flies, chatting with the guy below me. I'm getting a little cold. Get my first striper of the day. It's about 9 or 10 inches. I figure now after doing this for about 30 to 40 minutes, it's 5.45-ish, 6. I'm going to go back upstream. I'm going to walk to warm up. And I'm going to go look for the snakeheads in that little side pool and see if I can get my last chance at a snakehead in those nasty green cesspools. I get back up there. I can't get anything to bite. And that walk was great. It warmed me up. And surprisingly, just wearing bare feet and neoprenes was pretty comfortable. I see a couple gar here and there. I get to film those snakeheads up close again and no biting. Nothing in the cesspools. So I start working my way downstream. It's... It's getting close to I'm tired and cold. I've been casting all afternoon. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. 
If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. I'm ready to quit it. So I go and swing a couple more times, maybe 10, 15 casts above the rock. I'm done. I start walking to the beach, get my rod rigged up, put the flies in the, the hook keep, and I'm about to call the wife to have her come get me, or I figure, you know what? I'm cold. I'm just going to walk to her house. Why not? As I'm approaching the parking lot, I get a text from the wife that she's turning around. They're ready to pick me up. It's now nearly 7 o'clock. Car's all packed. I take the driver lead, and we are home 30 minutes door to door. I don't drive fast, but there was no traffic at all on the road. And I come home, and I'm like, that was a pretty damn amazing, crazy day. I get to fish my old home spots that used to be five minutes away, beautiful weather, playing in water. I get this bizarre situation of snakeheads where I'm probably never going to find them otherwise. This is where they get the name mudfish where they would be caught in pools and then the mud would dry up and they'd be dormant in the mud and then it would rain and they'd come back to life. And people thought that these snakeheads just came out of the mud. And I start texting people and I'm like, yo, you were in my trusted circle. You get the text about this. So if you got that text, you know you are in my trusted circle of anglers that you are not going to be sharing that with other people. I'm not going to tell y'all where it is. You got enough information now if you want to go figure it out yourself. But... I'm going to remind you, the parking lots are closed down there unless you live in Fredericksburg and have a Fredericksburg sticker as of recording this. The water's probably dried up. It has not rained. been watering my garden twice a day. Other people have been down there, and they have caught snakeheads, and they're saying there are fewer and fewer of them from today than yesterday. I got a one-off chance to catch snakeheads in a cesspool. I took full advantage of it. I admit I put them back knowing that they're going to die anyway from exposure if they're not taken out. And that, to me, was a freaking awesome day. And I'm glad I got to share that with you. You go to my YouTube, you can check out the brief video of all this weirdness. You can see all the rotten fish in that stench pool. And, yeah. The boat ramps here just opened up. I got the boat fixed. I got new hubs on it. Put a new tire on it. I replaced the electronics in it. My lights are good to go. And we're going to start going out of the boat now for gar, stripers, snakeheads, and largemouth bass. You want to give a call? My number's on my website. You want to give me some ratings? You can do that on iTunes. You want to buy some flies? Look for me on Etsy. And coming up, of course, which may have already happened by now, I'm going to have koozies with my logo that you can wear around your neck. You can tie flies and drink beer. You can fish and drink beer. You can have beer around your neck when you don't even need one around your neck just for the convenience of that. I want to thank Buff for being a big supporter of this podcast. I'm a huge fan of their products. I wear those Buff gloves every day. I wear that Buff mask every day. I've tried other brands. Buff is my favorite, and I'm going to leave you with that. For more information, you can go to buffing.com. Thank you so much for listening. That was my crazy day. Hope you thought it was crazy. And my daughter, birthday's birthday is next week. I said, where do you want to go? Anywhere you want to go? She said, the beach in Fredericksburg. I'm going to go back and try some stripers. This time, I'm going to wet wade and leave the boat at home.
Y'all thought this crazy story was over, but it gets even better and crazier. So listen to this. It's two days before my daughter's birthday and I get a phone call. These guys want to go snakehead fishing by themselves, DIY, somewhere between Richmond and Fredericksburg. I said, man, it's not my jurisdiction. I don't really know the spots between Fredericksburg and Richmond, but I said, man, I had a great weekend two weeks ago catching snakeheads and I'm probably going back down there this weekend. So they're like sold. We're going to go to Fredericksburg. So we start getting ready for the trip. I'm like, dude, I'm going to go snakehead fishing by myself while my daughter's playing with kids and, and the wife's got a friend. So I string up my hatch reel. I take off my Skagit head and running line, put loops on both ends of an old, old Cortland 444 bass line. Put that on, tie on a leader, tie on an articulated bass siren, which is like a intruder that's articulated with a curly tail behind it. String that up, put it in the car. I'm also now, I've got a Watermaster boat. So the Watermaster backpack goes in and there's Gatorade and water, all sorts of stuff. Because we're going to spend the whole day above Fredericksburg at Aquia. So the plan isn't really to fish Fredericksburg, it's to fish Aquia. I'm like, all right. So on the way down, we hit a Wawa. I get my club sandwich with avocado and bacon. The wife gets a chicken salad sandwich. So now I know she's not going to take my club sandwich that had my avocado in it. And I pick up some sunflower seeds because my two bad habits in life are a cold can of Coke and salty sunflower seeds. We get to Aquia. It's kind of empty. It's just little beaches on the Potomac across from Mallows Bay. If you don't know Mallows Bay, look it up. It's now a national preservation place. It's the largest shipwreck concentration in the Western Hemisphere. So I start realizing that it's too windy for me to take the boat out. I don't see any fish. There's people fishing for catfish. So I spent an hour wandering around. I got my fly rod. I'm on the jetties casting, doing top water. I'm doing sinking flies. I I'm getting nothing. So I go to the tent. I eat my sandwich. I pound my 32-ounce Gatorade. And we've only been there an hour now. It's super, super hot out. And it smells like dead fish because there's dead catfish that just washed up all over the shore. And it's super hot. The tent actually is broken because my kid broke it last year at the pool. So I decide I'm going to go chill in the shade. While I'm in the shade, I get a text from client Zach. Zach is down in Fredericksburg looking for snakehead. He found a whole bunch. He said he can't get them to eat. I think he may have sent me a video. I don't remember, but there's definitely a picture. I said, you know what? We're coming down there. Hold on. So I sent a text to the wife. I'm like, yo, lady. Pack it up. We are rolling out. It's too crowded here anyway now. There's probably 100 cars in a spot that's not supposed to have more than 50 people. The sheriff's coming through not kicking anybody out for having too many people. Plus, everyone's parked on the shoulder. So if an ambulance and fire engine needed to get in there, they couldn't. It's too many people. It's too hot. I convinced everyone to go to Fredericksburg. So Catherine says, all right, y'all come down. Drop him off of the river. By the time you get to my house, I'll vacuum and, and have... Uh, the house straightened up, and I'll get the backyard set up so the kids can play at the water table and have some, some drinks for the ladies. So on the way there, we stop at a convenience store. I get some Modelo and some candy for the daughter. Modelo for me, candy for the girl. We get to Fredericksburg. We stop at the Friends of the Rappahannock area. We used to have Embry Dam there. Take out my new Watermaster. I inflate it, put my little oars on there, put my backpack with one cold beer, bottle of water, and I shove off. And it's awesome, man. It's so pretty out. It's bluebird skies. The water is warm. There's tubers and drinking people on the shores. People are fishing. Everyone's having a good time. 
start rowing down and I'm casting behind rocks and currents and, and trying to figure out this boat because I'm used to a 16-foot drift boat, not this funny little donut-shaped thing in the water. I get to my first set of rapids. I reel up, put the rod in, go through the rapids. I'm like, man, that's pretty fun. I'm not used to rapids. I'm used to fishing tidal estuaries and lakes. I'm not used to currents and drop-offs. I go down about another 50 yards. I see some people fly fishing. I'm like, that must be Zach. Somehow he got across the river. Maybe those are his friends. Because one of the dudes was, was pretty big. Zach's a tall dude. And I, I get up to them and I'm like, yo, what do you, what do you, what's in there? What are y'all fishing for? And the guy's like, there's snakehead in here. I'm like, all right, sweet. So I keep going downstream. I'm like, you know what? I want to see if I can find a spot and go see what those guys are doing. I probably passed 30 people tied up on the shore drinking beer with their inner tubes. And I get a spot below them. I tie off the water master. I grab one box of flies. I leave my backpack there. It's a box with clousers, a couple top water flies, gar flies, some steelhead nymphs, damsels, maybe a jig or two. Put that in my pocket. I grab my beer. I walk upstream. I'm drinking it. And I find these guys. And I'd walk up this long ridge of rocks to get up there. And there's this big pool of water, maybe 40, 50 yards long, 50 feet wide. And one of the guys is tied into a fish at the moment. And I think he pops off. It's all a blur. Because I'm going to straight up tell you, this was the craziest fly fishing hour I've ever seen or experienced or witnessed in my life. So we start talking. And one of the guys hooks a snakehead or something, breaks off. I give him a fly, gar fly. I'm like, dude, they point out there's gar. And my eyes start focusing now. And I'm starting to see that in the tail out where it's shallow, there's four foot long gar stacked up everywhere. And then I start noticing in the murky water, it's definitely not as clear as it was two weeks ago. The murky water, I start seeing snakeheads coming up and breathing. And I'm like, damn, y'all mind if I fish here with you? And they're like, no, no, man, it's good. We got space. Everyone's separated now like men in urinal or birds on a power line. Probably 10, 15 feet between us. And I double haul my bass siren out under the trees on the far bank. Strip, strip, boom. I'm on a snakehead. First cast, probably second, no more than three casts in. And I'm on a snakehead. And I get that thing in and it inhaled that three-aught bass fly. It's all the way in its mouth. The picture, you can just see the cone head sticking out. I get a picture of it, throw it back in. The guy upstream for me now hooks into a fish. Turns out it's like a three-foot-long snakehead. I helped them land it, gave them suggestions. I don't think they'd landed anything yet before I got there. And it turns out this wasn't Zach. This is just some other dudes. After three minutes of me filming them fighting this fish, they landed. I threw them my fake boga grips. They get it up, and we're all starting hooting and hollering, and everyone's just going nuts. Get a picture of all the three guys with their fish, and they throw it up on the rocks to take it with them. Not realizing that they had swam across, and I don't know how they're getting it back. Really can't access this safely without a boat. So then we start talking, and the guy's like, what's your name? I'm like, my, name, my name's Rob. And uh, turns out it's the dude who called me two days before looking for a fishing spot. What's the chance this big river in this small town in this very obscure spot that I bump into the guys that I'd sent to the river? So now we're all talking and chatting and fishing. One guy's from D.C. One guy's got a pregnant wife. He's got to leave soon. The other guy's got to get back to Richmond. And we're all fishing. We're all catching fish. And this spot, again, the fish are geographically separated, physically separated from the rest of the river. They swam up this side channel and can't get out because there's just rocks in the way. So unless a flood comes over and washes them out or they make a U-turn, they're stuck in here. I'm going to say it's probably four feet deep in the middle and murky, clear in the shallows and edges. And I hook another snakehead. 
and I bring it in and it's nice and big and I get pictures of it. You can see all my crazy hair sticking out from my hatch hat. My buffs covering my face. I got my buff gloves on because I've been out in the sun. There's people coughing everywhere. I'm being protected. Another huge reason I had those gloves on is because the stripping I was doing and fighting those fish. My finger got burned where this model of gloves didn't reach past up my fingertip. My second pair of buff gloves, they do go that far. And if I had known I was going to burn them from fighting three foot long fish all afternoon, I would have worn those. So now I've caught two snakeheads. One guy's tied into a gar. Another's tied into a snakehead. Everyone on every three to four casts is hooking and losing either a huge smallmouth, a huge largemouth, having a bluegill chase it, or you're hooking and landing or hooking and losing a gar or a snakehead. Absolute mayhem, water splashing everywhere, tight lines, real screaming, people running up and down the rocks. When I tell you this was the craziest fishing, it was freakishly bizarre. Up there with as bizarre as the weekend before. So now I realize my beer is piss warm from sitting on the rocks in this 88 degree weather. So I think I took a sip and poured it out. I give one of the guys a gar fly because he breaks off his fly. And he starts catching gar and snakeheads. And then I catch a third snakehead on my bass siren. And this damn fish strains out that hook. Let me tell you the model of it. This is a Daiichi premium fishing hooks, specialty hook, style 2722-3-0. These, I don't it doesn't have a description. Uh, light wire, straight eye, nickel plated, deer hair, bass bugs, divers, frogs, and mice. This thing got bent straight out. So I take it off now and I put on my gar clouser. I figure I could put on a regular clouser, but I've lost so many gars so far on that siren. Let's see if I can get one on that. And I'm casting and there's huge smallmouth taking it. And I'm setting the hook. I'm missing so many fish. I guess it's like a blitz of bluefish or stripers where you're casting and missing, hooking, casting, missing. And it is absolute mayhem for us on shore. I catch... My fourth snakehead now. So I stayed long enough to catch four snakeheads, which is my record in one day. And the fourth one is pretty damn big. It swallows that hook, and I can't get it out. I'm not putting my hand in that snakehead's mouth, even with pliers. So I cut the line, throw it back in, and the guy below me is still fighting the gar on a little white bass hook with a curly white ultra suede tail. And it's like a woolly bugger with no hackle and just a white tail on it. Everyone's crushing fish. There's now two three-foot-long snakeheads up on the rocks. I'm filming these guys. I'm taking pictures. Of course, before I'm going to part ways with these guys, I got to interview them. I don't have my dat on me, so I take out my phone, and we do a little recording. You want to hear it? Hear how it goes. Jamie. Gar Clouser. Gar Clouser. Yeah. Sweet. All right, who do we have with us right now? Uh, my name is Clark. I'm from Richmond, Virginia, up here uh, in Fredericksburg, just doing a little fishing. You guys swam across the river? We did. It took a couple tries. We got a little wet, but we finally made it across. How are you guys going to swim back with snakeheads? Oh, one step at a time. <laughs> okay. You're going to have to use your line and make some kind of a stringer. That's a good idea. Something. Yeah, we... You need some kind of rope. This thing? Oh, your paracord. Run that through. Paracord, yeah. yeah. All right. And you are? I'm uh, Teddy Mitchell from Richmond. And uh, yeah, we just drove up here hoping to get some snakehead and we were lucky enough to find a few so what's the weird part when did i i officially meet you 
Uh, we met on the over the phone yesterday. I was just calling someone with local knowledge, and I found Rob Snow White online, gave the guy a ring, and uh, he hooked it up. How many snakeheads have you landed today? We have caught, uh, between all of us, four we've caught four, six, six snakeheads, yeah. How many gar? Uh, two. How many, and how a large mouth? Uh, one small mouth, one large mouth. Right on. All right, and third one today, you are? I'm Pierre Molster from D.C., and uh, just tagging along with these guys. Met them halfway here in Fredericksburg, and we had the best fishing day of our life. Fantastic. All right, guys, you need to go to Carl's and get, like, a root beer float. Perfect. And then, uh, yeah, where are you guys crossing? Like, downstream? We, were, we went upstream. Okay. We started up there. Oh, my God. You know. All right. We'll be safe. And uh, I'll find you guys. Right on, guys. Be right. safe. And on a side note, I'm so glad these guys weren't clients because I'd have to buy them three cases of beer. One case per client that catches and lands a snakehead. Get a call from the wife that the kid is tired and she wants to go home. That's what happens when you're out all day in the heat without a rash guard and a hat. When you don't listen to me, the kid gets tired. And now she's nine years old. She actually read the whole way down to Fredericksburg. And the whole way down to a quiet. So I say goodbye to these guys. They're going to take off. I tell them they need to make a stringer out of something. They got hemostats with rope on them. But you got to put those through their gills and mouth. Lock the hemostats in the rope and swim across holding them. So I get back in. I poured out my beer now. Throw it in the back of the boat. And I just start riding the rapids down. Not fishing. I'm moving. I figure the wife's either going to pick me up at the beach from last two weekends ago. Or I'm going to go all the way down to the public docks. So I start going down, and I'm having so much fun in this little water master going through these rapids. All the tubers are looking at me. I don't think they've ever seen something like this before. Finally, I get down to the fall line, and the water spreads out. There's no more rocks, and that beach has probably got 300 people on it. People fishing, swimming, dogs everywhere, beer drinking, music playing, umbrellas, absolute chaos. And I called the wife and I said, hey, where are you? She's like, we're at the docks. I said, you got 30 seconds to tell me if you want to pick me up here at the beach. I'll walk out now or at the docks. I said, it's going to take 20 to 30 minutes for me to get to that dock. She goes, come down to the docks. I'm like, all right, that's your choice. Soon as I pass that beach, that current stops. So now I'm in two feet of water and I'm just rowing and rowing and rowing. And my goodness, I got tired to the point that I'm looking for a spot to pull out. And Owen and Marshall know the spot, that old pumping station on the river it was just too muddy for me to climb out there so i'm going down now i see a guy standing up in a red kayak with a baseball hat on and a big beard and tattoos on his legs it's like that's that's miller that is my client from the other day who lives down here and i've said called out his name i said what's the chance that's you he's like 100 percent so i row up we start chatting i tell him what was going on upstream i said man i told you i was going to call you if i was coming down I didn't know I was coming down here until about an hour and a half ago. So I pass him and I'm like straight up, I'm done rowing. So there's a spot next to a seafood restaurant where I used to ride my bike and study and read books along the river in college. And I decided to pull out there and now my phone is soaking wet. It's waterproof and I can't undo my phone because there's water between the glass and the glass cover. So the fingerprints aren't working. My thumb isn't working. I can't get my phone open and tell the wife to come get me. So I drag the water master all the way up the hill and people are sitting there eating. It's now a barbecue joint. They're eating their barbecue and looking at me like, what the hell is this? And I got my quick dry shorts on. These are my favorite pants, but in short version. And I got the Capri version coming in the mail. 
If you remember my Colorado podcast from years ago, I always wanted capris to fish in. So when they got long and wet, they would look like regular pants. When I wear 32-inch length pants or 30-inch, they still get wet and go under my heels and drag. If I get capris that are 26 inches long, then they're going to get wet and sag down to be like 30 inches. It's perfect. So by the time I crawl out up there, it takes five minutes for me to drag the boat all the way up to the road. My pants are almost dry. I unlock the phone finally, tell the wife where I am. I deflate the boat, pack up the oars, take off my backpack. Everything is folded and ready to go. When the wife gets there five minutes later, I don't know what time it is now, but we all get in the car. We go to Carl's to get some frozen custard. My daughter gets a root beer float. We get in the car to drive home and she drops the whole thing on her lap on the seat of my ex-Tara. Like, man, it's your birthday. I guess you get another one. So I basically scooped all the ice cream out, root beer, slush, and threw it on the ground. Got her another one. Took us 30 minutes to get from Carl's to Braddock Road. Unbelievable. Even with more traffic now that phase one is opened up, phase two is opening up soon. It was unbelievable. And that whole way home, I'm thinking, man, you can't get a cooler afternoon than a bump into some fishy dudes who know how to cast. You're catching snakeheads. You're catching gar. You're losing snakeheads. You're losing gar. You're losing largemouth. You're losing smallmouth. Then you get to do a, a lazy river rapid ride in a new boat that you just got. And then you get to go home. And we had leftover Papa John's for my daughter's birthday. We air fried that. Had a cold Modelo and went to bed. And that. Is two crazy snakehead weekends in a row. Pictures and videos up on YouTube. And again, thank you for Buff being a big sponsor of this podcast. I've been wearing your products for years. In fact, the wife was supposed to be on season one, a survivor. That fell through. It's a short story. You can ask her. But she would have had a Buff and been on TV years ago. So please wear your face masks in public. Don't cough near me. We got that boat up and rolling again, so let's go chase some fish. We did some sight casting yesterday with pink worms and crystal clear water and caught some nice large mouth and some small mouth. So that's it for this episode. Hopefully going up to Pennsylvania to do an interview soon. That one should be absolutely epic. Thank you for downloading the Fly Fishy Consultant Podcast, episode 272. Have fun and enjoy your summer. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com. This podcast is brought to you by Freestone Productions at freestoneproductions.com. Spend your Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss Life on the Water every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. <laughs> the destination for outdoor entertainment. 
think, with four of us spread out on a tiny island, that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But, as I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Through the Blackwater bayous and in the dark Louisiana night floats a duck camp, alive with the sounds of swamp pop and the smells of Cajun cooking. From the Mississippi Delta in Venice to the Cajun prairies of the Southwest, me and the Duck Camp Dinners crew will be hunting and eating it all. This is Duck Camp Dinner. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. 